welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. Just in time for Halloween, we are reading the horror-slash-thriller novel for our bookling, uh, Red River 7 by A.J. Ryan. Uh, A.J. Ryan, a.k.a. Anthony Ryan, is a proficient uh, fantasy writer whose first book, Blood Song, came out in 2011, self-published, and was later picked up by Penguin Books in 2013. Uh, There were three authors that I discovered... At the same time, uh, Joe Abercrombie, Scott Lynch, and Brandon Sanderson, and uh, Blood Song, when I heard about it, was introduced as, oh, you've read those fantasy authors? This is this is the fourth. This is the fourth that you need to pick up when Blood Song originally came out, and he has since released... Um, Two more books in that series, uh, another series about dragons, and most recently, uh, um, the Covenant of Steel series, with uh, which I've reviewed on geeklink.com. But now we're taking a different out of fantasy into the realm of horror with our book Red River 7. Spooky. Spooky Halloween. So what did you guys think? I thought it was great. Yeah, me too. I really liked it. I read it in like 20 hours. It was such a like engrossing yeah. read. Yeah, it's very like, it's super well paced. It's not long. I think it, in my ebook, it was only like 150 pages. Uh, oh, was it? Well, yeah, that explains it, but yeah. Yeah, it's short. But yeah, like, bam, 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 go. Like, not really, it, you know, anytime you're like in a lull, it just picks up again. Like, he's definitely got that thriller or horror pacing down really well for sure it's what i would call cinematic like it's yes. a definitely like yes mm-hmm. like it's not in the cynical way of like oh this was written to be a movie mm-hmm. but more like this reads like what a book like a movie would read like it's definitely like very action oriented um it moves at a brisk pace without it feeling rushed. It doesn't give you more information than you need at a cert- at a specific time to make, and that makes the pacing like go really well. Yeah. And then when you're hit with information, it's usually um, integral to a scene that is leading to more action. It's very like move, 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 move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really tight. Yeah, cinematic is like the perfect one-word review. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's the start out with essentially the main character, or at least our from our point of view. You don't know his name from when he wakes up. He wakes up next to a person who has a trigger warning for suicide. Shot themselves. He has no memory of who he is, and then he meets other people on the boat. Oh, and they're on a moving boat, by the way. Mm-hmm. And no one's driving who, it. 
and no mm-hmm. one's driving it, and none of the people on board know who they are, except that they have, like, an author's last name tattooed on them. And our point of view character, Huxley, um, meets with the rest of the crew, Golding, Reese, Plath, uh, Pinchon? I don't know how to yeah. say I don't Pinchon, yeah. Pinchon, and then the dead person is Conrad. And none of them remember who they are. And they've also all have like signs of surgery. Like they've had oh, like yeah. they're they had they have like healed scars on their skulls and like above their kidneys. Yep. They know they're on a boat. I am a huge sucker for amnesia stories. Oh, I know yeah. that they can get incredibly cliche, incredibly fast, but ever since I read The Chronicles of Amber, where a dude wakes up in a hospital bed and they're trying to give him a sedative, and I like I'm a, I'm effectively a rule follower. I would be like, oh, a doctor told me, all right. And he's like, the first thing he does is punch a doctor in the face. And I was like, you can do that? I was 12. So I was hooked. Um, and this is very much in that in that vein. Because um, another person wakes up and uh, doesn't do a great job of keeping their temper. Um, so it's the little dude. And they, they each figure out that they have roles um, that they've been selected to fit somewhere between like an archetype and a job it's like there's one guy who's like the soldier there's one guy um our narrator who is like the investigator um and then the there's one shrimpy dude that yeah nobody likes who's the historian which is rude i don't appreciate it but i understand (laughs) it I actually, I wish we had gotten a little bit more of him. Me too. I was thinking that as well. He was really interesting, and I, yeah. Yeah. He didn't get to really apply his skill. No, yeah. Like, just, I think he roughly identified where they were a couple times, mm-hmm. and that was it. It was like, the history of this bridge is really interesting, and everyone's like, no one cares! Yeah. And I was like, well, I care. <laughs> Giving them Tell each more a about skill their... was a great way to, like, give them a character without Ooh, having them yeah. remember who mm. they are. Like, it just gives you, like, oh, here's something brief about, that you get to know about their history because of, based on this, they didn't just they didn't just inject them with skills. Their skills are part of their memory that is blocked off. So it's like the way that you retain muscle memory. So am, a lot of amnesiacs retain certain types of memory, but not others. So they, they've lost their ability to recall their lives, but not, um, for example, how to assemble or disassemble one of the many guns on board mm. or explosives or other tools of violence. Um, Cause this is not a uh, peaceable book. No. Yeah. It gets, it gets real fucked up really quickly. <laughs> mm-hmm. What did you think was going to happen before anything, like, really happens? Like, what Like what did you think? Why these people were on board? Cause I, I figured I, it for, like, a suicide squad. I was yeah. like, all these people did something real bad, and now yeah. they have to go fix it. I was waiting. I was really waiting for Huxley, our POV character, <laughs> to, you know, reveal, like, he, he was a serial killer or something. Like, to, to remember that he was a serial killer for the first little while. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I, I think I was, guess, I don't think I was guessing like, uh, you know, quote unquote zombies 
but I think I was like in the uh, especially once they kind of get in, into the beginnings of London and there's no one there. I was getting like a real like 28 days later like plague kind of vibe. Um, but I don't I definitely could not have predicted the f- extremely fucked up monsters of this book. Nope. <laughs> Josh would it well, okay, Josh, could you have predicted it cuz that's what no. counts here. In, in, the, <laughs> in the beginning, uh, I thought oh, I screwed up. I said this was a horror book and when it's more like an action thriller this isn't going to fit our Halloween theme. And then it quickly, yeah, quickly it changes. Extremely fucked up very quickly in a spooky way. I think it's um, Dickinson that first, like, it goes from mystery slash thriller to horror because she, like, starts. Just, yeah. She flips transforming. out. Transforming. Yeah. And she they're has like, a bad reaction. They're on. The little buoy thing. They pick up the boat, inflatable, and and then they talk on the phone with this like computer voice person. It is like the first information we get. So immediately, you know, me as a reader, I'm just like trying to like figure out like every little thing. So what what are we gonna learn from this? You learn almost nothing. But then they're yeah, they immediately like you know, has anybody uh, remembered anything? Uh, and I think they mentioned something about Dickinson remembering something. They were like, you need to go shoot Dickinson right now. Oh yeah, they yeah, and they're uh, like they, no, they're like oh she's a danger to you all have to of go you. Kill her right now. You have to yeah. kill her. Yeah, and then they like hear gunfire from like the main boat, and you get back there, and she's all mutated, and it's I, that's like it's a very much like oh that's okay, so this is the kind of book <laughs> that we're we're reading. Okay, Spoops. the the body horror of this book is what oh, really got me man. like. Um, it's not so much like there's there's one which they all eventually be called the diseased. There's one person who basically becomes like werewolf like, and that didn't phase me. It's the like stretching of the human body to grow bigger than it should be. That and it's described yeah. really well, and yeah. that made me like oh ugh. yeah yeah like Plath's transformation is. So, and out of the the first one that they kind of encounter to the where they get the, the computer from her and she's just like a mm-hmm. goo monster she's just like covered in like black goo Blech. yeah there's an interesting tendency like I love tracing the history of like mass infection type novels too because it starts out it's like yeah we don't know why this is happening just run to like, this has scientific explanations to like, now it's kind of like, we've all had too much therapy and too much time to think. And so like, this this is definitely based on remembering mm-hmm. and knowing stuff. And there's another book, there's a really good book called Severance that's kind of like, if you, ha- if you feel too much nostalgia, you turn into a zombie in that book. Oh. And it just is like, millennials are super unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will be really happy when Gen Z starts to write about other fears because this is just like we have no money, we only have therapy. I don't know if Anthony Ryan I think Anthony Ryan might be a little older than a millennial, but if he's not, he's certainly tapped into it. Uh I think he was born in nineteen seventy. Yeah, so he's like a Maybe Gen, Gen X or them. Yeah. Which to be fair, they're also very sardonic. 
Yeah. They've got their own brand of fucked up. Truly, yeah. This is a, this is a nice little bridge between things that Gen Xers and millennials yeah. are afraid of. Yeah. Yeah. I did. So I think my one critique of this book is maybe like eighty percent of the way. It was it was almost near the end, which is why I don't really. It's not mm-hmm. a big. I don't. I think a, a huge critique is like kind of like once the mystery was mostly revealed, then it kind mm-hmm. of just was an action book and I wasn't Mm. as into that like they get to the point where they kind of like some of their their actual backstories get revealed and like okay here's what you're here to do this is what the this fungus virus thing is and you're gonna go plant this bomb here and then kind of from there it was like kind of your not standard action like zombie action flick but it wasn't that far off and I was kind of like oh like the mystery's gone a little too soon and like um because, like, that's, you know, I like, I love a mystery. And so for me, like, the mystery is is the guiding force. And uh, I didn't care so much if they actually, like, quote unquote, defeated the the plague or whatever, or the disease. Because I was like, oh, but I want to know the secrets. And by that point, we kind of knew all the secrets. Although there was one more secret mm-hmm. right at the end. So I was, I was happy with that. And there was the old guy, too. He was, he was a nice Yeah, that was like... really interesting. What was the I secret right at the end? Be, uh, that their their blood there was, was like no toxic to the the poison or to the, oh, the fungus yeah. or whatever. Yeah, they were the the cure was the inside them all along. Yeah, yeah. That didn't bother me as much because there's like so many horror movies that have like the big monster tend to end that way, and Plath ended up becoming sort of like the you know the Jason Michael. Freddy, mm, yeah. those movies usually end like it doesn't end with like, oh mystery solved. It usually ends with big action scene to yeah. finally take out the monster. I was definitely not expecting a happy ending at pretty much any point. Oh in this no, nope. I think no, we got the, the best minute, that we could hope for. Yeah, Conrad kind of gave that away that this was gonna wasn't gonna be a happy ending. Yeah. I want to know what Conrad's specialty was. Maybe uh, he was a sociologist. <laughs> he was supposed to keep them from fighting, and then he died immediately. He was the therapist, yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I meant to, like, look up the various authors that they were named after to see if, like, that was a clue to anything. Um, but I didn't do that, so... I mean, Huxley um, is another enormous clue because Aldous Huxley wrote *A Brave New World*, which is yeah. dystopian. Okay, and yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's not good. I get the feeling that part of it was also like, man, I fucking hate Sylvia Plath. <laughs> <laughs> Joseph Conrad didn't exactly. Joseph write Conrad could suck either. it. <laughs> which is what I would do. Um, Very fair. Yeah. Probably there's an elaborate (laughs) schema, and I'm just being a dick. (laughs) All right. We have to do this with every book now. Okay. Mm -hmm. What author would you wake up with on your tattooed on you? Not what you want tattooed on you. What you think would be tattooed on you. Keats. I I have a very poor constitution and I go on about a bitch. My god. 
I feel like mine would just be like I don't know somebody who like mine would be like a uh, somebody who wrote like a series of like bad novels in the nineties that are like I don't know faux uh, faux sarcastic like poking fun at things but don't actually may ever make a point. Yeah, I think I would get like Tennyson or Yeats on probably on me. Just because, uh, I don't know, lore reasons. I know lore. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what my specialty would be. I would be like the Golding on the boat, but my facts would be even more useless. <laughs> <laughs> this is a lot like in Lord of the Rings when such... <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. My my specialties don't really uh, apply. Like, you don't really need a restaurant server on a boat like that. I bet you could hit somebody real hard. Yeah. Restaurant servers also are like immune to all criticism that is, at a certain and, point, <laughs> and most diseases. <laughs> <laughs> Steph, I feel like your book series would be like, who's the what's the ones with the butler named Jeeves? Because oh, um. I feel like you could be like the exuberant main character, but also the person standing by the sideline being like, the fuck? Uh, PG Wodehouse. That's the guy. Maybe you'd be Wodehouse. Okay, I can fuck with that. Those are mostly comedies. James, Jeeves and Wooster are the books. Ooh. I used to have a couple. Or, if you're from Massachusetts, Worcester. <laughs> So then we get to um, the laptop scene. Um, mm. what, did you, what did you think was going to be on the laptop? Because that part made me actually really sad. Yeah, it was probably the saddest part of the whole book. Just like yeah. her going from um, like talking about them um, what was it? quarantining the area yeah. and receiving a call from her mother that the didn't make sense to her at the time to mm -hmm. losing to like going from you know just living their normal lives with like oh something's happening in the neighborhood to like slowly transforming on camera like all of her friends died yeah yeah i didn't yeah i don't know yeah i i don't think i was expecting like honestly that much information because mm -hmm. it was it was a really good mm -hmm. info dump also wrapped up in this like incredibly sad story um and i i was not expecting to get that much information at that time actually um and then yeah it was like really well put together in this like story of this person because like you don't with the with the people you know all the the main characters all have amnesia so you don't like, you do get to know them, but it was a little hard to get attached to them, sort of. And, like, mm -hmm. the way, you know, this this person, I don't remember what her name was, but, you know, immediately, like, you're like, oh, my God, this is, like, so sad and human and, like, uh, yeah, immediate attachment and, like, kind of the reminder of the, the human cost of the story. At that point, I kind of was like, is there anybody left? Mm. Mm. Like, I didn't know the stakes of what they were doing or whether it was, like, was there even a human on the other end of the robotic uh, I voice? I yeah. 
Because, like, until the very end, you could, like, rationalize a lot of the responses as being, like, an automatic response. Oh, yeah. Did they did they say how much of the population was infected? I know they said if this goes it was like if this goes on for like a month or two longer human population would be wiped out. Yeah. Like there'd be no chance. Yeah. I think it was like most of Europe and like northern Asia, like I can't remember if they had talked yeah, I can't remember if they'd given like a hard number. Was this the book where they were talking about, like, oh, breezes in Europe blow mostly toward the yeah. east, and so yeah. we could trace the path, and therefore, yeah. What was the scariest part for you guys? I think it was, like, I think it was Plath's full transformation when they're still on the mm. boat, right before she leaves. Oh, no, no, it wasn't that. It was... It was Huxley putting together that pl- like right. It was the 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 height of tension was when Huxley was putting it together that Plath still remembers. Oh, she remembered how the Everglades smell. Yeah, and yeah. that was a really good detail. Yeah, he's ta- he's talking to Reese when that happens, right? They're like they're by the bunks, so. and he's talking to Reese and. It was like um, him putting it together and you as a reader putting it together at the same time. And so it was like, it's not so much that it was scary, but it's just you could, it was like the tension of reading. Like you start to, in sections like that, you start to read a little faster. And then Mm -hmm. in the back of your mind, you know, oh, something right now is about to happen. And then it happens. The, The... the the soldier who is like besides Huxley is the most like essential person that they need, mm-hmm. and suddenly everything goes wrong. There's a bit right before that too where they go to like the apartments or whatever, and the there's like the the little girl, mm-hmm. but it's not a little girl. That was oh, really yeah. fucked up too. I think that was, like, just from, like, a pure, like, classic horror standpoint, I think that was the scariest for me. Because you're just, like, itching. You're like, something is wrong here. Like, it just feels off. And then, yeah, there's the reveal. But, yeah, I think I, what you said in terms of, like, that tension and that, like, oh, shit moment, the the plath moment is is the best. What about you, Christina? Yeah, I think plath. I'm always fascinated. I mean, like... It, me and every other woman interested in true crime, but like I'm interested in like psychopaths or sociopaths or I don't know the difference if there is one. Um, and it's always really interesting to see how they function. And I think the thing that scared me the most was that the group was going to implode. Cause even though they didn't have memories, they had such strong personalities and everyone was on edge. So I think it was a toss up whether Plath was going to like totally lose it or like Reese was kind of on edge. Huxley was not super stable as a dude. Um, And Golding just, you know, everybody kind of hated each other. And so I don't I don't think it was going to happen, but I think he could have written a book where they got right up to the goal and then everybody hated each other so much they all died. Yeah, totally. And it 
It failed. You just reminded me, the moment where Gulling, like, gets speared through the throat and pulled into the river is also very scary. It's one of those moments where you're like, wait, what did I just watch? Yeah. Going back to Josh's cinematic thing. Because it's like two sentences and then it's the end of a chapter and you're like, wait, what? Right, yeah. It felt very, I mean, not that I know what it's like, but it felt really realistic. When something horrible happens, you're like, wait, 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 go back. Wait, no. I can't process that this fast. All the moments of, like, the diseased coming out of the water was Mm -hmm. scary. It's like, because it's like you keep, it's just, I think it's like, do they they travel during the day or is it mostly nighttime that they travel? Like, or was it like a lot of the sun? Like, just the idea of, like, you see nothing in the water and then, um... Something just like jumping out of the water to attack you, and it's a it's a mutated human being. Yeah, yeah. Like he does a great job of describing like all the different mutations and how like messed up everybody is, mm-hmm. and the way that they all like howl at each other like packs. I think it's worse that they start realize or they they never really stop wondering how aware people are. Mm-hmm. It's like, is there still a person in there? Yeah. Is kind of a worse question to ask sometimes. Because if it's like, if it's just a zombie, there's no like guilt in right. killing something that's already dead. But like, yeah, yeah. Ha- having to kill another human being, even if they're horribly malformed, is like, oh god. Yeah. And like the mist was a good touch too. Yes. Oh, and like it was like a red mist from the actual mm-hmm. disease. Yeah. And what was the this like? It's based on negative emotions or like. Yeah, right at the end, they were talking about how like it was twisting their. The, I think the old man was talking about how it was like twisting his memories, so he remembered his wife as being the worst person that she was. Like it was, it's like feeding off of the negative memories. Yeah, it was like partially trauma and partially just like bad memory and partially just memory at all. Yeah. Yeah, which is, like, such an interesting concept for, you know, a, a plague-type situation. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I loved it as... Because, you know, it makes, like, for a fantastic, like, amnesia uh, thriller storyline and also a really interesting concept for a disease. Yeah, that was going to be my next question of what you thought of the actual disease itself and it being based on memory. Yeah, I thought it was one of the most unique like disease kind of storylines I've seen. As a doctor, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like it seemed, it seemed like a very interesting, cause like things they tell depressed people like me is that like, well, depression is like technically an adaptation, right? Like if you keep ruminating on bad things then you'll be prepared for them a little right. bit. And which makes sense in the jungle where you're like, Oh, if a leopard popped out, what would I do? Aha, yeah. I need a spear. But now it's kind of like, what would I do if my life didn't turn out the way that I dreamed it would? I, I love the idea that, like, this pernicious disease preys on this adaptation rather than, like, I don't know, so many diseases are like, well, it just takes advantage of, like, a weakness in your system. It's like, well, this is kind of like a strength, and it turns it against you. Yeah, and, like, to be resistant to it, you have to remove yourself, like, you, right. your personality yeah. and your... Your, your loved ones and everything. 
So either way, it makes you not really human anymore. Yeah. Unless you're, I don't know, the one, the one thing I kind of wish, it was very unrelentingly grim and a lot of the jokes were kind of grim too. I just kind of wish that someone had been like, you know, we just need like a 12 year old girl from an anime to show up. who's just like the pinnacle of like, just like the mimosa of people just like so <laughs> bubbly. We just, she is totally immune to this disease. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a very grim book. It's a good thing. It was short because like mm -hmm. with no comedic relief, you know, that, that can get depressing really quickly. But I think like, like we were saying, like this book's very tight and he knows like exactly what he's doing in terms of how mm -hmm. to structure it. So mm -hmm. not too long, not too short. I haven't looked up when this was written, like when he actually like, you know, drafted and wrote it, but it's definitely a like pandemic book. Like, yeah. Oh my God. We're yeah. going to see oh, yeah. a lot of books like this. Yeah. I guess cause they're all coming out. Yep. Now. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we have the, one step removed because I tried so hard to like to do even just a listicle of books that were written during the pandemic about the pandemic and no one had the distance yet yeah they're just not they're yeah. not readable like it's it's too much trauma for everyone involved yeah so at least this is like well zombies though and everyone's like thank god yeah it's like, I, can, I can roll with this no one's telling me about dance parties on my fucking balcony. Shut up. Do you think they really volunteered? Because I thought it was interesting that Plath was like, I think I would remember. Yeah. Like, I remember everything else, but I don't remember volunteering. I think maybe everybody but Plath. Because, like, truly, this is an end of the world scenario. Like, right. either you die doing this or you're going to die in two months anyways. Right. So I could see that I could, but I could see Plath being like, no, fuck these people. Like, I don't care. Like, you know, and yeah. then they center anyways. I'm not so sure, but yeah. what do you think? Uh, I like generally, I do think they probably volunteered, but I'm, it's not, I'm not 100, like, it's not a, like a definite 100%. Like I can think of scenarios where they were, forced to do this like just because they have backgrounds mm -hmm. i mean huxley definitely volunteered yeah yeah but i could make an argument for some of the others not volunteering mm -hmm. like I just because they have backgrounds mm -hmm. that with certain skills doesn't mean that they weren't uh blackmailed or prisoners right. or any other scenarios in which you're given either do this or consequences. Yeah. And like, yeah. I'm sure they didn't tell them the full extent of what was going to happen even before, like both for memory and yeah. like, this is a lot and you're going to die purposes. I think that that seems so nefarious when you say it, but it's also like, well, I wouldn't, like, if they were going to take my memories, like, I think I'd want a little, like, I don't know, I did spend part of the book wondering, like, could they have made this slightly less the most stressful thing that's ever happened? <laughs> could they Which, at least have had, like, a soothing voice right, on the like, phone? A sign that says, like, everything is okay. Or, like, right. slightly could more be, explanation like, as to, like, the circumstance. Not that's even, like, the circumstances, but just, like, yeah. Like... 
hey, we can't explain this right now. Yeah. You volunteer. Like, even if you it was a lie. You have been kidnapped by a serial killer. Right, yeah. There's some contact. I, like, I understand for the horror building purposes and suspense that it isn't, yeah. but, like, if if I, you know, president of the world, were designing this experiment to save humanity, I might be like, okay, you're all gonna wake up in a bed, maybe? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, to be fair, we know that... Sorry, got and we do know that they sent other teams beforehand yeah. because they find the other boats and they sent, they did different, they gave them different stuff. So like maybe they did try that and it didn't work out. It sounds like they tried too many things though. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would definitely, I, I know my role in this story and it's one of the bureaucrats being like, well, <laughs> okay, what if we did this? Yeah. <laughs> what if we sent a team of penguins first? <laughs> <gasps> I would don't, love that. Don't they mention though in there that like there's no animal life either? Yeah, like, there's no birds and no fish. It's like it's like silent. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if the implication was that all the animal life migrated or all the animal life died. Yeah, I hope the animals were like, "This is bad, you guys. We gotta go." They had their secret animal meeting, like yes. <laughs> Maybe that's who Conrad was—the naturalist. He was like, "There's no, there's no more. Guys. Don't eat them." All the dogs and cats were like, "There's no more treats anymore. We gotta yeah. go." Bye. Which is um, ironic because in the actual pandemic, we got like three hatches or three litters of bunnies, like just in urban areas. I would go. I would like shuffle outside to get my state mandated breath of fresh air and there would be like 18 rabbits looking at me being like this is ours fuck off we own the outside now human they did though (laughs) almost stepped on one they're so dumb i i'm so interested in the implication of the um science of altering and cutting off memories in this book it's both like interesting and c- could be really fucked up. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that you know, we learn on later, like they did this through deeply unethical experimentation on humans because they like quote unquote had no other choice. And also plaf, but yeah. right. What was the what was the reason? The disease was made in the first place. I forget the the code name. It's like C, one something something. I I took it. There was an implication that some uh, Elon or Bezos type billionaire wanted to live oh, forever. I forgot yeah. about that. And that this was all funded. Like yes. that was great. That <laughs> yes. was that was when this when I found out. Like yes. it was all funded by some dumb billionaire. Yeah. I'm like, this is so relevant. Yeah, and I was like, huh, relatable. Hmm. Hmm. Doesn't sound like yeah. anyone I know. <laughs> yeah, that part was great. I love that part. Because I know I follow Anthony Ryan on Twitter, and I, I've seen him <laughs> complain oh, about it. Yeah, he said, he's, he said some things. Nice. But, Send uh, him a Blue Sky invite. Yeah. Oh, he there already are... follows me on Blue Sky. Nice. Oh, okay. <laughs> nice. Slightly fewer billionaires. That's that's yeah. the Blue Sky model. Honestly, that is the that's the the vibe. That's the selling feature. It looks exactly like Twitter. 
You can't do gifts yet, but it's okay. We'll we'll soldier on. I'm sure they're working on it. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Right after they figure out how to monetize this one, wait. Well, nope. yeah, not gonna work. Mm. Until it's like open without invite codes, there will be probably no monetization. Yeah. 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 If anybody needs invite codes, yeah, I have like four. Yeah. And then we have the the podcast account, oh, right. which also has four. Yep. Yeah. Come join us. It's pretty fun, actually. Yeah, it's like Twitter the early days minus yeah. all the important people. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no, like, assholes, but there's also no, like, governments being like, hey, there's a yeah. flood warning. You guys there's, should pay attention. There's, yeah, there's also a lot of uh, unclaimed corporate accounts. Like, you could just go be a corporation be on Blue Sky. Yeah. yeah. I looked up, like, my local hockey team ha- doesn't have a Blue Sky account yet, and I was really thinking about squatting on that, so maybe they'll give me some money for it. Um, That's a good idea. It, it won't start going downhill until Ashton Kutcher comes on. Oh, God. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if... Were you, were you on Twitter in the early days? No. no. Ashton was Kutcher old. was one of the first celebrities to embrace blue skies or at least one of the first reported celebrities to embrace um not blue sky uh twitter mm-hmm. and i remember it being like new ashton kutcher on the on new social media i was mm. like yeah i've left facebook for twitter yeah well there were only like the three back then it's like myspace twitter and facebook the early twitter days were so bizarre what would you tweet if you were one of the seven on the Red River? <laughs> oh man! Better than my question, which was going to be: Would Life you be the sus. same person? Yeah. Without your memories. Mm, yeah. Can I have my brother on the podcast? He has a PhD in philosophy. Oh God! We could not come to a conclusion with him. We need a doctor. Are you ready? To, are you ready to serve? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like a lot of me is based on the fact that I have a good memory, so it's yeah. like... Yeah. Right, it's a personality trait. It's not just uh, history. It's like, oh, I can remember things. It's like part of who you are. It's true. I could run a really good pub trivia night on the boat each night. <laughs> I d- it's a good question that I do not have the wisdom to answer. I would well. probably just die, like, immediately, to be honest, because, like, I have no physical skills. I can't shoot a gun. I get oh. scared. <laughs> I w- okay, here's what oh, I... Yeah. I would transform immediately, because as soon as they say, oh, you having, like, dreams where you remember it and don't dig too deep and try to remember it, I'd be like, the intrusive thoughts would take over and I would <laughs> I would start like pushing through the pain to okay, remember. Okay. And then I would immediately be like Ugh. Oh that okay, so that reminds me. So why do you guys think Conrad killed himself? Do you think it's because he woke up and he remembered like right away, or do you think it was something else? I have to think about it. Let me think. Because that's what um, I think. I think he like woke up, hmm. remembered enough to realize what was going to happen to him, and so shot himself before he could like kill the rest of them. But I don't really know. Yeah, because they didn't notice many or any signs of like deformity on him. I don't think so. No, I don't think they yeah. found any deformities until Dickinson. Yeah. So he had to have realized and done it immediately. Yeah. Which is brave. 
Yeah, just like to want to spare six other people. That that's a truly horrifying moment, right? You wake up, right? Like remember who you are, and th- and that's a bad thing, and realize that like remembering who you are could kill the other six people and jeopardize this whole mission. I actually think it's the opposite. Yeah, I think whatever they did took too much. Mm. Oh, interesting. The, instead of him doing it because he remembered he did it out of the hopelessness of not being able to remember anything at all okay that makes sense too that's a good explanation too yeah Yeah, and like none's really ever given so it's it's very much left up to people's interpretation (laughs) he he just like slipped and fell (laughs) on his gun slipped and fell on his Gun. <laughs> he forgot. They took. They dug too deep, and they they took out the walking portion of his brain accidentally. <laughs> and the not pulling the trigger part. Yeah, I yeah. guess. I think the fact although it that, does. Sorry. Go ahead. The reason why I think that is because he wasn't like obviously for like the meta. You can't show that Conrad transformed it all because it would Ooh, give the yeah, mystery early. away yeah. but thinking about it just you know uh in kayfabe like mm. of the in the book the fact that he's not transformed at all makes me think it's not remembering it's the not remembering mm-hmm. yeah because it happens to dickinson really quickly yeah although it happens to the person in the videos more slowly so i guess it that's true depends yeah. It didn't occur to me until you asked that question, Josh, but it, or Steph, there are, I can think of at least two zombie novel or two zombie um, films where the last scene is like the hero saving everyone else from themselves by committing suicide. Um, And that's where this book kind of picks up, which is kind of interesting. Um, So I wonder if that's a genesis. Yeah, I do always enjoy a, a good post-apocalypse, too. Not the, like, in the middle of things are falling apart stage. Uh, mm-hmm. But I enjoy, like, like both the mystery of, like, how did this happen? And the mystery of, like, what happened? You know, as they're, like, taking yeah. this boat through London. I was, like, looking at a map of London. I'm like, oh, okay, I think they're here now. And, like, what's what's around there? And, ooh, like, what could have happened here? I do, I love that shit, too. I know I should, nothing just about just realized I should have done London, that shit. That would have so, been fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I should have done that also. It's a good time. Yeah. I am a little nostalgic for tropes that I don't see as much in post-apocalypse, though, which is like, and this is a bad example because I know Anthony Ryan is like particularly more toward the grimdark side, which is fine. Like, it's, it's not a judgment. Um, but like... I kind of miss the gleeful sort of like, we're all trapped in a mall. Oh my God, this is our stuff now. <laughs> yeah, or we like, that, the world's like, gone to shit. Yeah, yeah that, that freedom kind of, of society moment. Right. It's like, everyone is like, oh man, this is such great social commentary. It's like, sometimes you just want to like walk into Tiffany's and pour diamonds on your face and be like, okay, done that. Check mark and then leave. I don't want. I don't want the diamonds. I feel like the reason for that is is that it was a lot of commentary about capitalism when mm. there wasn't a lot of commentary about capitalism, and now we are 
ripe with commentary yeah. about capitalism. <laughs> True. Overripe. Yeah. And to be fair, Plath is having mushy. a great time because she gets to murder a lot of people. Yeah. I did like Plath as... She's a great villain. Great, great villain, yeah. yeah. And, like, I didn't expect a villain at all. I just thought, like, the, you know, the disease was mm. the... Mm-hmm. It was, you know... Uh, yeah. Man versus nature. Like I, I not... was expecting it to be Huxley. I was expecting Huxley to be like the serial killer oh, in the group. Up until we got to the point where I think he was like, they they had to shoot some people, and he was like, oh, I've definitely never shot anyone before because I feel terrible mm. right now. So then I wasn't sure anymore, but yeah. What did you think about Huxley as the point of view character? I think it's smart to have like your your detective investigator type as the POV character because they're like putting things together and like he was a pretty quiet dude so he was kind of a camera sometimes but not in like a boring way Mm -hmm. it made me think about um you guys have seen next generation right no no okay i haven't watched much star trek no there's there's an episode where basically they have to explain to a group of aliens what humans are and it's like Humans are curious. Like, you went, we accidentally infringed on your space and you wiped all of our memories so we wouldn't find you again, but you left too many clues behind and so we came back. You have to do a better job because (laughs) humans, our main thing is that we want to figure stuff out. And they're like, oh, well, if this is at the biological level, we're less mad at you. Um, And that, this book reminded me of that because like you don't have your memory you don't have anything like you're stuck on a boat in a disease infested city that you may never have been to before and everyone's like what's good like the first question is how do we figure this out not like how do we get away from this or what do we eat it's like what is going on and i kind of love that oh you know what i really loved um the um containers that only opened at certain mm, stages. Yeah, that was a fun uh, device. There's a good conceit. Yeah. Like uh, the one that had the, like the immunization in it. Mm. And I think another one had weapons in it. And it only opened up at like once they've uh, reached certain points. And what made me think of that was like I saw some reviews, some negative reviews. And the reason why I asked about Huck, what do you think of Huxley, some people were didn't understand why didn't think Huxley was a good point of view character because all they the only role they sort of played was being the one that like why were they the one that got to talk on the phone all the time which is explained at the end that he's the only one that's actually sort of like an agent of whatever governing force is doing this Mm -hmm. and so it made me think of like oh why were these containers like only opened at a certain period of time and like um the use of that as sort of the the next stage like showing sort of progress to the next stage of the Mm -hmm. missions i think like having huxley as the pov character also helps with like showing instead of telling right because if you have Mm -hmm. your investigator type as you know one of the others and that person all the time is going to be have to explaining things. So yeah. It's like better to just be in the head of that person. Also, people are allowed to not like stuff. But also, 
like what what do you want him to do juggle like he doesn't have to be everything he's just a guy they should have been a juggler on board (laughs) that was conrad and he's dead yeah yeah now my mind immediately went to okay Red River Seven, but you put you you put seven characters from a course of dragons <laughs> with no memory. Okay, well the four Hell Warriors obviously because that's basically what they do. They fucking volunteer and have no memory and then save the world. Yep. Yeah, that that's, that's a really funny. good point. <laughs> oh God, we have a type, don't we? Karen Thurvishar, uh, Jana. Yeah, uh, Cone for sure because you got to have your medic. And Cone would absolutely volunteer. Center A would be Plath, for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not not One, two, deep three, down four, psychopathic, five. but like surface level psychopathic. Yeah. I think Rillazar would volunteer for like the same reason, because he would be like, yeah. he, he would be like, how can I twist this to my advantage? And how can I like c- control the world by saving it? Though he's not very self-sacrificing. So a boat... With Kieran, Thurvishar, Janelle, Teraith, Cone, Senaray, and Relosvar with no memory. <laughs> I would read that. Uh, yeah. Two rabbis and a cat. Yeah. I just realized we read a, a whole boat book. It's it's like barely a boat it's book. It's barely. This is the thing. This I'm is so a mad. good boat book because the boat is like but a set piece that just moves around. It's the when tr- they like yeah. a. A bad boat book is when a, the boat becomes like the secondary protagonist, yes. and there's Amen. large exposition yes. about all the Mises authors, all the boat facts that yes. like, <laughs> the author had to acquire. Yeah, yeah. Boat like, lore. I don't. I don't need boat lore. Yeah, maybe Conrad was just, just like a sailor. I mean, there is boat lore that's good. Like, oh, like. This this boat used to be haunted by so and so, but not like, <laughs> yeah, this wood comes from <laughs> ancient boat wo- forest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know the boat forest, <laughs> right next to the regular forest. Only it floats like, better. You get one. You get one boat fact, and then you got to move on. Yes. Yes. This this explains so much. Thank you, Josh, because. Also, I think that's the one of the many reasons I hate Sex in the City. New York is the fifth character. Mm. I fucking hate New York. I hate it. <laughs> I hate boats and I hate New York. It's just a list of things oh, I hate. I love New York, so. Yes, I know I'm in the, first of all, statistically, I'm in the minority here, but also like, I get but it. That, I get what people like That's completely different. New York as a secondary protagonist is great. <laughs> New York is a... It's just like, oh, the fifth character is the city of New York. Thanks, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But also, like, ugh. It wouldn't be as bad if it was, like, wasn't done to death. Yeah. Yeah, if it was, it's always New York. Also, if it, when they said New York, they didn't, they always meant the upper east and west side of Manhattan. <laughs> yeah. If I wasn't from New York, I would probably hate it, but I... But I am from New York, so I love being told how great I am all the time. <laughs> I like New York, but that's because I only ever go as a tourist, like once every couple of years. So it's a lot. It's a very different, much more fun experience. Being mm. a New Yorker is like, um, you know, when like you have close friends and it's like it's okay for you to 
talk trash about Ooh, your family yes, to your yes. friends, uh, but the yeah. minute they talk trash about yeah. your family, it's like, oh, yo, you've crossed the line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can hate I, on it, but not you. Maybe that means we have to write a boat book. Before New York sh- becomes yeah. a boat, and then Christina fucking dies. <laughs> the SS New York. <laughs> That's definitely, like, a sci-fi book out there somewhere. The, like, the ship New York, and it's just New York as a spaceship. The, like, yeah, it's, it's life called preservers are, like, bagels. <laughs> Actually, my sister was in London, like, as I was reading this book, and I thought about recommending it to her, and I was like, no, actually, she's there for, like, Maybe. a fun, relaxing time. Yeah. I don't think this is not a fun, <laughs> relaxing London book. This is good for the ride home. Yes, yes. Because you can, you can do all the, oh, I was there, oh, I was there, oh, I was there. Is the <laughs> I was there, it's a smoking the end, A real stadium? I believe so. Tottenham? Oh, it was Tottenham? I thought it was Tottenham. I didn't register that. I don't know why I think that. Because it's silly, like a lot of British names. It's Twickenham Stadium. Twickenham, there we go. Twickenham. Oh yeah, here it is. Right by Bushy Park. <laughs> how do the british take over the whole world oh they are God, their names are so dumb uh, they're near, they're so silly yeah gunpowder that's how they stuff. took over gunpowder and a large population mm. and like just you know ethnocentrism Un- unending faith in the fact that god wanted them to do that yes also, I guess we can blame monotheism. And boats! And boats, boats. yeah. Honestly, boats, boats, boats are another agent of colonialism. Yeah, I guess it, it kind of started when they defeated the Spanish Armada, and then everyone's like, oh, this backwater. Hmm. Anyway. Anyway. This, this <laughs> anyway, Red River 7. The yeah, I told you I missed building. Like covered in the fungi was a, a neat setting for yeah. the final Plath yeah. confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. It was like, it was a very fun, like, like you said, like very cinematic, right? They're like, kind of like fighting and running around. And then she's giving them little tidbits of information about how everything went down. And it's, you know, I get you, it's, I can really picture it. It's very mm-hmm. like, visual descriptions. And yeah. I did immediately think of um, the like walls of fungi in, um, the original Super Mario Brothers movie, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I was, like, thinking, I was like, man, Deep after point. they, you know, I guess, like, kill all these funguses off, like, the the disease, like, basically created their own entire, like, architecture. Like, at one point, they talk about, like, they're in, like, these spaces that are the size of cathedrals, and it's all just, like, these vines and stuff that have grown up. It's like, man, it's gonna take so much work to clean all this shit out. Assuming they do and not just yeah. sort of like abandon it. Mm-hmm. Just like wall it off and be like, well, Bye. we gotta start over. Goodbye, England. Twas nice. Mm-hmm. I was curious, like, obviously it's not the point of the story, but, you know, Huxley, right before he dies, remembers his name. Mm. And then my brain immediately went, what would be the most ridiculous <laughs> name for him to have? <laughs> It's like uh, he was, Jonathan. Yeah, he was American, right? <laughs> so he wouldn't have a silly British name. I think. 
Well, Chill. we don't know what time period this is. That's true. So That's true. America could have yeah. evolved to have more He's just like silly Dylan, names. Officer Dylan. It's like, oh, I was Method Man. <laughs> <laughs> that would actually be a really fun twist if, like, an amnesia thing where like everybody in it is somebody from the real world, and someone like. Moderately like, to extremely like, pinch famous. on was John Cena and like, yeah. <laughs> that is like you know you know how John Cena's theme goes, uh, where like yes. the meme was my name is and then it goes John Cena. Yeah. <laughs> so that, yeah. that, oh that's the God. dream that haunts him at night. This is his opening theme. Okay, okay. We're we're, we're casting the movie The Red River Seven. Who is playing each? So John Cena is playing Pinchon, obviously, but also as John Cena, not as Pinchon. Are we are we casting it this like for real or silly? Silly. Okay. Uh, For real. Well, then whatever you want. What if we just go through genuine? John Cena is a funny answer, but I think it's also a great real answer because he is a good actor. He'd be good at it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fine. Well, I mean, Eminem is Huxley, then. <laughs> yes. His name is. Oh, yeah. Who would be Plath? I really want... Who's the... Who's the one who played Emma? Her eyes are really far apart. Oh, Anna Taylor-Joy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I want yeah. her to play a psychopath. That'd be great, yeah. I, I saw her in the menu. She was great. Do you remember a period of time where like everybody hated Anne Hathaway? That's who. Oh yeah. That's who yeah. I would cast as Plath. Nice, nice. She's Actually, a great actress. Yeah, I feel like uh, I do think she's Conrad is has to be somebody like super famous, like Brad Pitt, you know. But then he's killed <laughs> off in the first like five minutes. <laughs> That's always a yeah, fun pull move. A scream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I would cast Dwayne the Rock Johnson as Conrad. Nice. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then John Cena's like, I know this man, <laughs> but he doesn't yeah. remember why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All of them remember their their uh, their their uh, what do you call it? Their their role, but they're just all wrestlers. <laughs> oh. oh, I can do this yeah, easily. Yeah. <laughs> no, because I would cast all silly wrestlers oh, yeah. rather than okay. serious ones oh, yeah. as every character. Like, Orange Cassidy would definitely be... I don't know if you know Orange Cassidy, but his whole gimmick is that he's the lazy wrestler. Like, he's the indifferent wrestler. Okay. So he'll, like... He does, like, kicks, but, like, really softly. And then (laughs) the other... uh, The other person usually has to sell for it, but (laughs) doesn't. Um... I was I was trying to think of like who would because this would make I would watch this movie totally yeah yeah like I was trying to think of who I would seriously cast in it Huxley feels like the the most difficult to cast for me I could see like and this is probably just because of like the twenty eight days later vibe but like Killian Murphy I feel like would be a good Huxley or Idris Elba he's so pretty though yeah. I don't know. I see him more as like grizzled American, like mm. and like Liam Neeson. 
Yeah, someone who looks like they had a drinking problem. Cillian yeah. Murphy <laughs> yeah. looks like he might have a drinking problem, but he looks too pretty and, and young okay. to, yeah. Yeah, someone who's a little fucked up. Yeah. Oh, Sorry, um, I have no idea how Colin, old Cillian Murphy Colin is. Colin Farrell would be good. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Someone who's a little bit more punched in the face a couple times. And instead of John Cena, I would probably cast... Um, Dave Batista as Pinchon. I could yeah, see that. Yeah. yeah. He's got um, that range. Underutilized comedic force though. Mm. Although arguably Pinchon probably gets the funniest lines in the whole book. Yeah. Of the very few of them. I would cast um I know he's mostly comedic, but he I've, I've seen him do serious stuff. I would cast Patton Oswalt as Golding. Ooh, yeah. Because he, he's also, like, full of information. Yeah. And he could, like, act that really well. I think they could um, give more info dumping to that character and less to the phone. And yeah. that would be... Yeah. I would cast whoever plays Siri as the phone robot. <laughs> <laughs> I would cast the voice or, actress GLaDOS. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, that'd, yeah. Be that'd be great. <laughs> like, that's not even a joke. I would actually yeah. do that. Who would be someone who wouldn't be in the movie very long to cast as Dickinson? Mm. Like, someone get, gets killed off. I don't... What was Dick... Oh, Dickinson was a mountain climber. Yeah. So somebody, like... Athletic. Oh, who's the who's the actress from Black Panther? Uh, Angela Bassett. <laughs> Which yeah. actress? Oh yeah. Or or Lupita Nyong'o. Yes, Lupita. Oh, that's yeah. who I oh, as. Okay. As Dickinson, yeah. someone. And then um, she could be a good uh, reuse too. Honestly. She, yeah, because I can oh, see yeah, her being. Too. Yeah, maybe Dickinson would be. Um, Eva Green does a good crazy. Oh, she does. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, we were just watching something. Oh, um, Carla Gugino does a really good like off kilter crazy. We've been watching the Fall of the House of Usher. It's very good. Ooh, uh, okay. Carla Gugino is really good at shifting between like. Not nice and normal to like unhinged very quickly. Mm. Um, the person I would cast as Conrad, and if it was a movie, it would probably just because of like how movies work, we would probably see them alive for a little bit in like flashbacks, mm. maybe. Um, the actor that played Rob Stark in Oh. <laughs> Just oh, be like, yeah, haha, you have to die again. Richard Madden, that's his name. Yeah. Yeah. I just like how uh, Sean Bean's fictional kid assumes his role as guy who dies in every movie. <laughs> oh, Truly. Sean Bean as Conrad would be funny. Yeah, oh, that would go. be really good. Yeah. That, or would be fun. Like, that would take people out of the story yeah. and just yeah. be like, oh, it's the Sean Bean meme. Basically, what are your overall thoughts of Red River 7? Uh, okay, so my my what worked is, uh, yeah, like really great descriptive tight writing, 
great suspense, good action, like a cool mystery. So just like the perfect kind of like quick horror thriller um, book. And really my only don't works is like, hey, like you kind of get a bit of a reveal too early. Not not even too Mm -hmm. early. You get it early enough that I didn't necessarily care as much what happened after that. But then it does pick up with a really solid ending scene. So Mm -hmm. what about Christina? This is a great book for the upcoming Halloween weekend. Mm -hmm. Take a weekend, read it, have a bath or stay up too late with only one light on. Like it's not, if you're looking for a, you have to be in the mood for this kind of book the way that you have to be in the mood for like an action movie or a horror movie. Mm -hmm. But if you are, chef's kiss. Yeah, totally. If if you want to read Pynchon or Dickinson or... Joseph Conrad, don't read this book. But if you want to read about characters with guns who are named those things, <laughs> A+. Plus. Josh. Um, what worked? Most of it worked. It's very brisk. Mm. Uh, the actual... It's hard to make a disease that is interesting yeah. in so many zombie horror plague pandemic post pandemic pandemic even we're still in it like disease that is scary and this tying it to memory which is so interesting and frightening at the same time and of course with the popularity of um now that The Last of Us has become huge, having it associated with spores and um, fungi always works. I really love that the or- the origin of the disease involved the dumb billionaire trying to yeah. live forever. <laughs> um, what didn't work? Um, honestly, I can't really think of much yeah. that didn't work. Um... Maybe, no, I, I really can't think of anything. Like, even the last, like, maybe the, maybe put in a little bit more hope in the book. Mm. <laughs> it do, it's pretty like, nebulous, yeah. It, it feels pretty hopeless from, like, maybe just, like, an epilogue of the, the wife living, who knows. Or even if it was just, like, a message. Um, but those are just, like, um, critiques that... They're not they're not real critiques. I really can't think of anything that didn't work for me. Yeah, that's fine. Agree. You're allowed to like yeah. stuff. Yeah. Without reservation. Mm-hmm. What else are you reading? I am reading... The uh, Traitor of Red Winter by Ed McDonald, which um, by the time you're listening to this, my review should be out. Unless if my review is not out by the time you're listening to this, you can blame Spider-Man 2. (laughs) Sorry. Um, I am also reading um, the prequel to last year's uh, Legends and Lattes, which is called uh, Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. Both books 
are very opposite of each other. Trader Red Winter feels very Empire Strikes Back. Like, I, I could feel dread with every page. Like, oh, something terrible is about to happen. While Bookshops and Bone Dust is just like, hey, do you like, like, just, like, comfort reading? That's what this is. <laughs> nice. And I was thinking nice. about this while I was reading Bookshops and Bone Dust. There's a lot of tropes in fantasy that people critique, but one that I personally will never critique is fantasy authors writing characters in their books that love books. I will never ah. get sick of that. <laughs> Every fantasy book has at least one character that loves books and has to talk about how much they love books, and I will never be sick of that. Excellent. Very interesting. Yeah. Steph, what are you reading? Uh, I am reading Tress of the Emerald Sea by Brandon Sanderson, uh, which is a delight. And Josh and I will probably do an episode on that next month or so. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. It's cute. It's fun. It's funny. It's still got some great, like, interesting magic system and action stuff. It's it's all your Sanderson classics, but much more, like, fun and cutesy, I think, than and most lighter. Sanderson even then. Yeah. And quicker read. Yes, yes. And that's pretty much it, actually. Yeah, I'm also not you. reading a ton. Um, I, uh, I'm i reading a two-novella collection um, by a dude whose name I have to look up, but his, it's called The Rim of Morning. And it's this guy who wrote kind of like a few decades after Lovecraft. Cosmic horror wasn't really a thing. And it's, like, a little slower paced, and it's definitely got, like, a share of, like, problematic shit from that era, but it's really good, uh, it's really eerie, uh, and totally underappreciated, um, so, except not by Stephen King, who wrote the introduction, so I guess <laughs> someone appreciates it. William Milligan Sloan Third. Wow. That's Fucking, the author's name? That's yeah, a name. name. That's a name. When I was choosing my pseudonym, I should have I should have tacked like a fourth on there. Yeah, 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 oh, just well. for fun. Too late. I also want to say that I am reading um, the complete Octopus Pie by Meredith Gran. Uh, Meredith Gran is a illustrator who um, I it was like a web comic that I was reading before my house fire, and when the house fire happened. Uh, and I had lost like art that she had made. Uh, it was like a reprinting of the art. She had sent me like the actual page that she drew oh, in the oh mail and like with a note, um, saying like you know I hope things get better. Oh, like to sum so it up, nice. and it's a great web comic about <laughs> about being in your twenties and living in. Uh, guess guess where? <laughs> New York City. <laughs> uh, it's a great comic. It's very like, um, like imagine like if you want to know what living in your twenties during the Obama years was like. It's definitely got that vibe. It's, but it's a lot of fun. It um, I definitely you should support Meredith Grand's comic, and she has a video game called Perfect Tides, which is like a you know the uh, a click and point adventure kind of uh, game that's a lot of fun about Long Island. So, 
That's awesome. I just want to say I'm reading that also. That's nice. This episode is over. As was foretold. <laughs> Bucks. 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 Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango.